What would you achieve if you weren't afraid of being laughed at? Today, it's crazy how we want to do something and then we listen to some idiot from, I don't know, wherever in the planet that makes a comment in our Facebook page and we go, oh, oh, uh, yeah, you're right. I better not do that. And then that person's made the comment and gone off to flip burgers for the day. We're listening to the wrong people. In the age of gotcha culture, people are terrified to do anything that they might be laughed at. That's my guest this week, Steve Sims. He's the exact opposite. In fact, his wife describes his superpower as ignorance. His day job is to make the impossible possible. With his help and expertise, his clients' fantasies and wildest dreams come true. In this episode of the Personally Brandtastic podcast, we're going to be talking about Steve's new book, Go for Stupid, The Art of Achieving Ridiculous Goals. All that after the break. Welcome to the Personally Brandtastic podcast, where we help you build your personal brand and business so that people can find you easily, want to work with you, and can't wait to refer you. My name is Paul Kopkin, and every day I work with real estate investors, professionals, and business owners who want to stand out from the crowd and attract more of the right opportunities without feeling inauthentic or spending all day doing it. It's all about communicating how personally brandtastic you are, because marketing is how to get their attention, but personal branding is why they choose you. Now, back to the show. Steve, thank you for, for joining us today. Um, and certainly excited to to hear from you and, and the kind of things that you're up to. I, I kind of, I, we're obviously going to talk about the book, Go for Stupid, but kind of taking a step back initially, what stops anyone, what stops us from setting, even setting ridiculous goals, let alone achieving them? Oh, that's easy. Headspace <laughs> and society. Um, nine times out of 10, and you can play this with your friends. Ask your friends, hey, if you could do anything on the planet, what would it be? And they will go, well, uh, play piano with Elton John or go up in a space or, you know, drive a Formula One car around Monaco. And then if you shut up and just stare at them, they will then spend the next five minutes telling you why that can't be done. It'll be something like, oh, I want to play, uh, play piano with Elton John, but, um, oh, I don't know how to play. He probably wouldn't want to play with me. I wouldn't even know how to get old. And they will talk themselves out of it. Uh, that's one bit. So we have an innate ability to talk ourselves out of what we should and want to be going for. And then secondly, we're terrified of society laughing at us. We're terrified of going for this goal and not failing, but someone seeing us and laughing at us. And for some reason, you know, it, we're always amazed at how scared people are of getting a no. And now we're terrified of people laughing at our goals and aspirations and, and, and objectives. And that's what's holding us back. And I find that ridiculous. Why do you find that ridiculous? How old are you? Uh, 61. I'm 56. So we're in the same neck of the woods. When we grew up and you asked any of our kids back then, what do you want to be? Footballer, rock star, actor, something like that, correct? Maybe the occasional yeah. astronaut, but that was basically what we wanted to be. No one grew up said I wanted to be an accountant or I want to be a CEO. And then you get into the 90s and all of a sudden it's rock star, you know, actor, athlete, Olympian, entrepreneur. That word entrepreneur suddenly started to gain some beauty in the 90s. Now, if you ask kids what they want to be, what do they want to be? I want to be an entrepreneur. 
entrepreneurs are today's rock stars. And look at them. Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, Richard Branson, Jean-Paul de Jouria, Larry Page. All of these people we revere as gods for being forward-thinking disruptors. But every single one of them did something that they were ill-qualified to do, but they went for it against all of the giggles they got. Elon Musk used to live in an apartment with his mum and brothers and stuff. And what did he do? He disrupted the banking industry with PayPal and then did it again with solar and then did it again with cars. And he's now doing it with rockets. Larry, Larry Page, I want a single hub of communication. Google, Steve Jobs, I don't know how to write code, but I want an easy drag and drop system. Every single one of those people we revere today had laughable, ridiculous goals. Not impossible, but they had goals that were above, if you want to say it, above that station. And they didn't listen to the naysayers of the planet. But here's the thing. If I tested you, Paul, on this, and I will, I'll ask you to call me out if I'm lying here. How many times in your life have you been sitting at a coffee table or a bar or a restaurant, wherever, and you've got a bunch of mates around you? And you sit there and you go, well, look, I'm looking at doing this. And I'm thinking of doing this. And in fact, when I think of doing that, I want to be able to grow and scale it to this. In fact, maybe even subsection that and franchise that off and just, just focus on this and then create that and then maybe set up a chat. And you go off into your goals and aspirations and then you suddenly get to clock the eyeballs of everyone else at the table and they've glazed over because they think you've gone mad. And you're faced with two opportunities then. One, you go, well, fuck you. These are my, my goals and dreams, and I'm going to make them happen. Or you turn around and go, oh, I don't know what I was thinking. Someone must have spiked my coffee. I was having a mental moment, but don't worry, I'm back now. Has that ever happened to you? For sure. Yeah. More than once, I'm sure. Yeah, It's happened to us all because 85% of the planet are those that end up working for the 15%. And the bottom line of it is, as you are the disruptor, as you are the creative disruptor of your sandpit and your industry, you get these people around you laughing and jeering. And how many times have you been in a pub when the guy on the corner that's never done anything other than kind of like, you know, worked on the building site or, you know, maybe cleaned cars, he's the one giving financial advice. <laughs> or you've got someone that's never run a business telling you how to run a business. And that's where we are today. Today, there are far too many people with no ability, no substance, that other people are listening to. And COVID, we'll get into COVID in a second, that created a shitstorm that we need to do something about. So as, as an entrepreneur setting goals for yourself, what is it that stops you know, 85% of us from even thinking about doing that. I realize you've said, you know, social pressure and your own mindset, but what, what is it that you see those 15% or even those 5% doing differently that oh. an entrepreneur can turn around and say, you know what? Okay. I'm going to give that a try. I'm going to try something more. All right. So, um, would you listen to me about hair products? Uh, probably not. <laughs> Why? I'm a credible, successful person. Why wouldn't you listen to me about hair products? Because uh, you don't have any hair. And therefore, I have no experience in it. Right. The problem is today, 
we give too many people too many people credibility that we really shouldn't. Um, I did. A, I had a dinner party many many years ago here in Hollywood, and um, I had two of the. There was this new franchise. It just started. In fact, the movie hadn't even come out yet. It was one of the first Marvel movies before they suddenly pumped them out every three months. And two of the actors were at my dinner party. And we were playing this game. We'd been sinking down the old fashions. And all of a sudden, it was a case of, hey, let's play a game. You know that we're going to be these superheroes in the next Marvel movie. If you had a superpower, what would it be? Or if you have a superpower, what is it? You know? And we played this drinking game around the table. And it was kind of a cool game. But of course, you've got a table full of your peers and your friends. You want to say something intelligent. You want to be able to turn around and go, I want to remove famine with the flick of a wrist, or I want to end poverty with the wink of an eye. You want to come up with something stupid like that. It got around to me, and I had come up with these two good answers that made me sound smart. And I was really pissed off, because by the time it got to me, some of the other people had used my answers. And I was like, damn it. It got to me. My wife turned around, and I was. Uh, they went, hey, Sims, superpower. And I went, Oh, um, um, and my wife grabbed my arm and she went, babe, I got this. Yeah. Now there's nothing better than your wife telling people what your superpower is. It adds credibility when someone else says it, doesn't it? Certainly. So, yeah. so I looked at Claire and I went, okay, babe, go ahead. And she turned around and she went, Steve has a superpower. And all of you at this table know what it is. So they're all leaning in going, oh, Steve, what's his superpower? And how did he get his wife to set him up like this? Is it brilliant? She turned around and she went, Steve's superpower is ignorance. (laughs) And that was it. And all of a sudden, you could just feel the temperature of the table drop. Everyone was giving side glances. I'm thinking to myself, I'm getting divorced. My wife's just called me (laughs) ignorant in front of my mates. And then she turned around and she was like, whoa, 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 hang on a minute. She said, when has he ever done anything working with the Vatican, working with Elon Musk, working with Richard Branson, working with Elton John? When has he ever done anything? And you've sat there going, how the hell did this guy pull it off? Well, I'll tell you how he pulled it off. Because he went into the event with the ignorance that it could go any other way than the way that he had visioned. He didn't hear the noise. He didn't hear the jeers. He didn't hear himself, his inabilities, his his lack of credibility, his lack of knowledge. He just focused on this is what we want to do. How can we make it happen? And the ignorance was bliss. Today, it's crazy how we want to do something. And then we listen to some idiot from, I don't know, wherever in the planet that makes a comment in our Facebook page and we go, oh, oh, uh, yeah, you're right. I better not do that. And then that person's made the comment and gone off to flip burgers for the day. We're listening to the wrong people. The powerful people today listen to people that they should. And anytime anyone says anything to you, before you receive it, before you acknowledge it, before you let it motivate, titillate, aggravate, Before you allow it to create a trigger in you, look at the source. If I'm phoning you up to give you hair hair product advice, ignore me. Don't even (laughs) register it. But if some successful hair model phones you up, that's the source of reliability. That's the source of credibility. So today, you really got to focus on the source. 
A friend of mine said the downside with opinions is everyone's got one. You know, opinions are like assholes. Everyone's got one. Yeah. So you've really got to focus on where it's coming from. If I've got a good friend of mine, if I've got Jay Abraham, you know, Joe Polish, Peter Diamandis calling me up going, Steve, I want to talk to you about X. I go source acceptance. And that's what I do. Source acceptance. And I'll always do that. So I had a um, last blab. I had a event that I was throwing with Elon Musk and Elon Musk. Someone actually asked a similar question to the one you just asked. And he turned around and he said, well, do understand they will always laugh at you just before they applaud. Mm. And that I'm happy with. If they're not laughing at you, maybe your goal's not big enough. I love that quote. That's a great quote. So is that the question that we're not asking ourselves enough? Where is that source? 100%. We're, we're, we're in, let's go back to COVID and that'll, that'll help us. Okay. <laughs> before COVID, we were heavily ingrained in social platforms where you had a baby, you didn't phone up your friends, you stuck a picture of it on Facebook, and then you were pissed off if you didn't get a million likes by the end of the day. Okay. So we were outsourcing our communication to one-way messages. And then COVID came across and everyone was like, oh, woe is me. I can't communicate. I can't get down to the gym anymore. Well, your fat ass wasn't going to the gym before COVID. Now you're just using COVID as your excuse. You can't hang out with your mates. Chances are you probably weren't a good mate before then in any case. COVID created an amplification of how bad we were at communicating. And then it got worse. You see, you know, we're both older fellas. Um, And of course, our parents, they went through wars and recessions and depressions. There's never been a time in history, not our generations, in history where the entire planet has suffered from the exact same situation. You know, in the World War, there there were countries that weren't even involved in the World War, okay? Depression, recession, plague. There were countries that weren't affected by this. But this was the first time in our history you could cold call any country, any city, anywhere in the planet and just say to them, hey, how's COVID treating you? And everyone was on the same conversation. This should have been a time in our life where we actually got unified to go, hey, we may be culturally different, but we're actually the same. And there's something that we... But we didn't. What did we decide to do during COVID? Bitch and moan about, oh, what it's done to us. And then what did we do? Like rabid dogs, we turned on each other. All of a sudden, the cancel culture came across. Did you see what he said in 1972? We should pull his statue down and never allow his movies to be played again. We were all inappropriate in 1972, you know? There isn't shows that could be shown that were being shown five years ago that could be produced today. And on top of the gotcha society and the cancel culture, we suddenly started protesting with major conversations, politics, Me Too, Asian hate, Black Lives Matter, war. All of these things came bubbling to the top with our aggravation. And they, they, we need to talk about Black Lives Matter. We need to talk about Me Too. We need to understand. But what did we do? Because of the cancelled culture and the gotcha society, we went and hid. 
We chose to not be in the conversations that we needed to have. And during that period, the most successful companies, Instacart, Amazon, were all transactional AI-based companies, which didn't need us to communicate. We don't have to phone up our local grocery store and go, hey, have you got any toilet rolling? We don't even need to have that anymore. We just push a button and it's there. So we were really bad at communicating before COVID. And COVID's taught us how to communicate really badly by not. And today, we're actually scared about trying to go for something in case someone gets a little snippet of it and shoves it up on Facebook for us all to laugh at. And that's what needs to stop today. And now a word from our sponsors. Are you a real estate investor or a related business professional or owner looking to build your personal brand and business and stand out from the crowd? The first step is to understand where you stand right now. You can do that with the Business Optimizer Assessment. It's something that we've created that's already helped real estate investors and other business owners to define and develop their personal brands and grow their revenues. Take the free assessment and complimentary report and follow-up strategy call by going to paulcopcut.com forward slash B-O-A. That's paulcopcut, C-O-P-C-U-T-T.com forward slash B-O-A. Now back to the show. Where do you see this going? You know, post-COVID, what, what are the challenges? that? If we do nothing about it, we're fucked. Now we are pack animals. We are people that need to communicate with each other. We find people we like, we align with them. We find people we don't like, we avoid them. We are primitive pack animals. And what we're doing is we're going against what our natural ingrain is and we're actually starting to turn on each other. We have to stand up and go, hang on a minute. Why should you steer what I want to go for? Why are you in control of my destiny? You're on the other side of the planet saying something on my Twitter profile. Why should I listen? Now, it all sounds very good for me to say that. I got burned on this. I was doing a party for a company called Ferrari, largest luxury brand in the planet. And as anyone that ever follows me, I'm always in a black T-shirt and jeans. You've seen me on social. That's me. You know, black T-shirt and jeans everywhere. This guy turned around and said, you're going to that party next week, aren't you? And I said, yeah. And he went, you're going like that? And I suddenly thought, shit, he's right. I'm in a black T-shirt and jeans. Now, here's the dumb thing. I went out and I bought a bunch of tailor-made suits. I bought a 50 grand watch in 1997. That still embarrasses me to say because I needed to impress people at the party. Now, here was the dumb thing. I've been working for these people for 10 years in a black T-shirt and jeans. And the guy that actually bothered me wasn't invited to the party. So the guy that wasn't invited to the party was now messing with my head and made me turn up to the party dressed as someone else. What made, you, like. what, made you, what, what made you do that? The doubt, you know, as you know, we've all got that little bit of imposter syndrome. We've all got that self-doubt and it just bubbles in the back. And the trouble is an entrepreneur's brain, it never stops. But sometimes it locks and loads on the wrong thing. Oh, will they take me seriously with my hair like this? Will they take me seriously turning up on a bike? Ooh, I better adapt my accent. You know, we change. And what do we end up doing? We end up putting on a facade, a persona. 
Now, I had that happen to me in 1997. And it actually was very, very bad for me because when I got back from uh, Monaco for this party, I was still feeling pretty chuffed with myself. And um, I had got these ph photographs sent to me. Do you remember when you used to send off the roll of film and they would send you back your photographs like three months later? I got these photographs back like a few weeks after I'd got back. And I'm going through them. And at the time, there was uh, Sylvester Stallone and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger in this party. And I had a picture of those two and me at the bar all having a conversation. Now, at the time, he was doing all the Rambo movies and Rocky and stuff. And Arnold was doing all the Terminator. These were the biggest movie stars in the planet. And I'm there at the bar drinking and laughing with these guys. But I wasn't. You see, the guy in the picture was this prick in a suit, not in a black T-shirt, not in jeans, trying to be someone who he wasn't. I realized this was, even today, the best party that I didn't actually go to. And I got drunk because mm. I was so depressed that I'd sold myself out. And when I say I got drunk, I it didn't go that far as to try to kill myself, but I tried to block out the pain. And I went through about three days of, of just drinking. And I've never done mm. that. Never done it since. And I was in a really bad shape. My friends kind of like pulled me out. I'd locked myself in the office. It was a very, very traumatic time. And I thought to myself, I sold myself out because this prick that wasn't invited to the party got in my head. And I realized how dangerous we are to ourselves. I, and again, it was that kind of like, where's the source? Then I'll receive it. And that's one of the lessons I learned from there. So I focused on the fact that I'm never going to sell myself out. So today, I'm me. Guarantee you there are people on this podcast that don't like me. Guarantee you there's people on this podcast that love me. But I guarantee you there's no one on this podcast that's confused. And that's <laughs> the key today. That's what you've got to focus on. Right. I love it. Social media. I mean, should we just be, I mean, we all use it, but is it something we should just treat as a one-way communication or is it a case of being, you know, what are, what are the tips you would recommend if somebody stays on social media but tries to avoid those, those negative uh, trolls? Again, you know, be careful what you receive, okay? Social media, understand what it is and why you use it. It's like me giving you, I don't know, a knife, okay? You can, you know, cut your Amazon packages open with it or you can slice a loaf of bread. There's many different things, or you can stab someone with it, you know? There are many different things that you can do with the exact same tool. Social media is a tool. If you've got no product, if you've got no service, if you're not in business, then it's not a business tool. If you've got no family and you're not sharing privately those pictures, then you don't need the platform. So ask yourself the question, okay, social media is a tool, but for what purpose? At this moment in time, I use social media a lot. Because I coach, I speak, I train all over the planet. I've got this new book, Go For Stupid, coming out. So I'm on social a lot, a lot more than I usually am, okay? I may go through periods where I'll post maybe three things a month. Uh, sorry, three things a week, you know, five things a month. At this moment in time, I'm posting like two or three times a day because the book comes out really soon. Um, so I'm using it as a tool. 
Use it for the purpose that benefits you most. Okay. And when you do, a friend of mine once said to me, understand you want to be so successful, you have haters. And that's what's going to happen. You are going to get those people and they're sitting there on their lunch break between serving people coffee out of the drive-thru, trolling through these social medias going, look at this guy. He thinks he's so cool. He's an idiot. Uh, fine. You've just told the algorithm that you've responded to one of my postings, which has shoved me up the ranking. You know, I had a friend of mine once who's really, really smart in, alg in uh, algorithms. And I did a post and I actually did a podcast once with, um, wasn't too long ago, actually, with a guy called Sammy the Bull Gravano. Have you heard of him? Yeah. The hit man to the, to the mob, you know, the, the second in command to John Gotti. Okay. I interviewed him on my podcast. I got so much hate through that and so much vicious. And so many people advertising, oh, I sell mafia t-shirts. Oh, I do it. You know, I got so much stuff that was not relevant to the conversation I had with Sammy. So I went on there and I started deleting it. Now, luckily, my friend was on there and I, this was just a complete fluke. He suddenly saw these things being deleted and he quickly contacted me and he went, are you deleting comments? And I said, yes. He said, don't. The comments on there, as negative and as bad as, as they are and as stupid as they are, is telling the, the Google gods that there's interaction with this post and it's distributing the post. So he said, you can decide not to absorb them, but don't take them away from Google helping you get your message out there. So I'm like, ah, even my bad messages, even my hate is helping me. Thank you. You know, so <laughs> you've really got to use it for what it is. It is a tool. You mentioned the book. So tell us, uh, you know, you had your first book, um, which which is a great read, but your new book, Go for Stupid. Tell us a little bit about what it's about. And, and you mentioned before we started recording that this is more about a movement than just a book. So yeah. Tell us about that. So COVID came across and I, I am a gold platinum member on every kind of airline you can think of. Um, I traveled a lot, too much. I lost a lot of time. So when COVID came across, I couldn't travel anymore, nor could the people I was trying to communicate with. So I got more conversations going on Zoom and all these other Facebook, uh, FaceTimes and all that kind of stuff than I ever could have done. I was given more time. And I was like, wow, this is brilliant. COVID has meant that we got more time. Now, there were some serious consequences. There was death. There was injury. There was pain. But for me, I was given three days extra a week. Now, we can make more money. We can make more impact. But no one, including Elon Musk, can make more time at the moment. So COVID was this phenomenal time when I got to just hang with my family. I didn't have to drive to an office. I didn't have to drive to a meeting. I didn't have to fly across the planet. I was over the moon. And then you look on Facebook and people are going, what can I binge watch on Netflix? What's the best way for me to waste my life? And I was like, are you kidding? You've just been given a gift. And this is how you choose to use it. So I started to get annoyed and I started posting on social and I'm not very subtle. You can look me up on Steve D Sims. I just call it as it is. And people started going, hey, you're feeling pretty violent. I said, I cannot believe 
the idiots in this world that are willing to waste this money, good or bad, they're wasting it. And I just couldn't believe it. So I started to kind of like make these little notes. And someone said, you should put this in a book. And I thought to myself, the reason that we're so bad at communicating today is because of social networks and the media. It's a natural assumption that the media is the worst devil in the planet. No. I went back in history and I looked up Henry Ford. I looked up Walt Disney, Edison, coffee. Some of the things today that we could not live without. And I realized back then they were being protested on. Did you know Henry Ford had people protesting on the production of the car? And the reason for it was because that horse could go through the woods. The car couldn't. And the candle, the candle society, and I'm not even making that up. The candle society tried to block the development of the light bulb. You're going to love this shit because the light bulb was deemed unsafe to a candle. You know, so that was so it wasn't history. So, what does media do today? It gives a distribution, and that's the problem. If you fall over on the street today and I video it, someone in Korea can be watching it three seconds after I've uploaded it. That's the danger today. And I thought to myself, all the people that we revere, they do stupid stuff to get to where they are. They don't care about people laughing at them. They have these dreams, this imagine, and they go for it. And we're not. Well, let's change the wording. We've all heard this. What would you do today if you knew you couldn't fail? Well, on a serious note, Paul, how many times, I was going to say in your life, how many times in the last two years have you failed at something? Can you remember? I can't remember a specific. But I'm guessing there's probably quite a lot of things. It's quite a few because I think yeah, I had, failed. Yeah, I think I failed at shit yesterday. You know, I just, but the failure is what provides us the education. You know, failure doesn't define us, it refines us. Now, I don't, I don't care about failing. You know, that's education. I constantly try stuff, I constantly screw up, I fail, I fail, I get educated, and I achieve it. So it's not a case of what would you do today if you couldn't fail. What would you do today if you didn't care about people laughing at you? And that was the key. So then I thought to myself, I'm going to put this in a book. So I go through some of my old stories. I talk about how ignorance has helped me. I talk about Amazonification, how you can avoid being a transaction, how to make your relationship stronger, how to care and show up as you, how to brand it. So there's a lot of tactics in there married around my stories, some famous friends that I've got and that shit and their stories and how they grew. But I came up with this idea of go for stupid because I don't want you to go for the impossible. Get that word out of it. Don't even give yourself that ceiling. Go for a dream that someone will laugh at. And if they're not laughing at it, you're not thinking big enough. Go for that. And here's where it suddenly took a twist and it grows legs on its own. I started talking to people about this. and I went, hey, I want you to go for a stupid goal. This could be, I, want, I demand better relationships. I want better communication with my staff. I want to make more money in my company. I want to be thinner. I want to sing on stage. I want to perform magic on the boardwalk. Whatever it is, go for it. Post it on these social media platforms and then hashtag go for stupid. 
I want people to dare to go for bigger goals. Now, how much do I make out of you having a better relationship, doing magic on boardwalk, making more money in your company? I make no money. But just imagine what a world would be like if instead of us jeering at each other and laughing at each other for when we fall down, we actually start revering and challenging and supporting those that dare to go for something good. I, I loved your point about forget going for the impossible because I think that's when people stop, isn't it? Because they, they think about the big goal, they think about the impossible, and then they go through everything that you said earlier about mindset and talking themselves out of it or having their friends talk them out of it. Yeah. So I love, I love that, that you go for something that you find people are going to laugh at. And if you haven't, then it's not big enough. When we're looking at a final question, when we're looking at the recession, which would, you know, whether you believe the economists in whichever country says there isn't one, there is one, we're, we're almost certainly heading to one or we are in one. What can people be doing in a situation? Because I think there's going to be a lot of people thinking, well, I'm just going to hunker down right now. I'm just going to draw everything in instead of doing the kind of things that you're talking about. Good. What, what advice do you have for people? Please do that. Please do exactly that. Um, you see, the trouble is a fool is easily parted from his money in a good, in a good uh, society, in a good economic uh, period, okay? People don't stop spending in a recession. They just view where it's best spent, okay? Now, it makes me giggle that then when the recession comes up, you get these people going, well, I'm going to stop advertising. I'm going to hunker down. I'm going to hold on to my capital. I'm not going to spend it. I'm not going to invest it. I'm just going to like cling on for dear life and get through this. Well, what have you just done to the landscape of all your competitors? You've just hidden from it. Today's the day that you've actually got to increase the value you provide advertise more, even by advertising the exact same that you are today in six months time, the other people are going to be doing the advice that Paul was saying, they're going to be hunkering down. All of these people are going to go, oh, no, I can't step out. Are you kidding? Now's the time you step out because there's less eyeballs to be confused upon. You're going to stand out as the pretty one, okay? Even an ugly girl in a party when there's no girls is the belle of the ball. You get the chance to shine while all of you other people are hunkering down and hiding and feeding on scraps. Today is the day you come out all guns blazing. Okay. I've got a couple of questions I like to ask guests. Um, Go for it. Before we wrap up and you let people know. Uh, who, who is your favorite personal brand and, and why? Oh, wow. Wow, that's, that's, that's really good. My favorite personal brand. Oh, half of yourself, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Is I don't know if it's my favorite, my favorite personal brand versus a brand that I really, really love for what it does. Okay, there's two that I actually there's three. Two of them. One of them is Harley Davidson. They build a prehistoric anti-technology beast yet it's the number one um tattooed brand in the planet because it's crystal clear what they do and who they supply for apple 
because they took computing from a utility to a aspirational luxury brand. You look at Apple as though it's posh and then probably a brand which I have mixed emotions for total disgust and disdain with total admiration is the street skateboard brand Supreme. It's mm. a, have you ever come across them? No. It's a brand, Supreme, a red block with the word Supreme in it, but they've become so trendy that they are on Louis Vuitton bags and they're on toilet roll. They're on Oreos and they're on shoes. I, I look at it and I'm like, how the hell do people take a skateboard brand and turn it into a $10,000 bag by just sticking the logo on it? It's insane how they have built a community and a culture. And I, 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 I hate the products, love the brand. It's weird. What, if, what about an individual, a, a person, personal brand? Oh, a personal brand. Sorry, I gave yeah. you all three calls. No, 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 no. That was a great one. It's a personal brand. Um, it would probably have to be Richard Branson. Um, he's done such a good job, and he was the OG of personal brands. Uh, he was the first one that stood out. I don't agree with everything he does, but I, I, you have to respect the guy for doing it. So personal brand would be Richard as the OG. Okay. And uh, do you have a favorite business book or podcast? Um, I have loads. Um, you know, Gary V came out with a brilliant, brilliant saying, I don't follow anyone because I follow everyone. Um, I would say if it was a podcast, it would have to be Roland Frazier's uh, Business Lunch. Roland's a friend of mine as well, so full disclosure. But my God, the people that he gets, I've been on his podcast, so he was obviously slumming at that time. But Roland Frazier's podcast is absolutely incredible from quite simply one of the smartest men's on the, uh, men on the planet today. Roland Frazier's podcast, books. One of my favorite books from a long time ago was Ryan Holiday. He did a book called Trust Me, I'm Lying. Now, that was a great book. Then it's a better book today because there's a lot of stuff that's happening in the planet that this book can show you how to massage, manipulate the media today for your benefit. It's a how to do things badly, but also a how to, if you want to use it for your business, to utilize it. Incredibly good, lighthearted, tactical dark scary book great recommendation uh do you have a new tool or resource that you're enjoying using at the moment um great tool or resource i time myself uh so i would say what i'm really falling in love with is my calendar and i will give i will literally use a stopwatch i've become almost add on stopwatches and i'll go okay mm. i'll work on this project for 35 minutes bang and then 35 minutes, I'm off. Don't care where I am, I'm off, you know, on to the next one. Um, so I think my resource at the moment is um, definitely stop watching. I really do like to time myself on certain projects. Right. Yeah. Does that make you more productive? Have you, have you found? Or? Yeah. Yeah. Because you t if you've got the day to do something, you make a coffee, you walk with the dog, you think about if you've got 40 minutes to do something, you go, okay, shut up, everyone, I'm focused. And you get into the game. I also make make sure that my projects aren't the same. So if I'm doing 
paperwork on this project. My next project will be design or customer liaison, or the next one will be creative. So I'm not using the same mindset on both. I'm not going from PowerPoint presentation to PowerPoint presentation to PowerPoint. I make sure I cut them up based on where I think my head's going to react best. Right. Nice. And do you have a favorite quote that either inspires you or drives you off? Yeah, I'll give you a quote that I really fell in love with. Uh, the definition of hell is to, to meet the man or woman you could have been. That one. Do you, know who, do you know who said that? <laughs> well, I don't, know, I don't know who wrote it, but the guy that told me it was this weirdly dysfunctional man and buddy of mine, Joe Polish. Okay. The genius network. That That's right. That's the boy. Yeah. Right. Excellent. So, Steve, uh, fantastic uh, insights. I'm hoping that everybody listening to this is going to be picking up the hashtag go for stupid and we'll see it. Uh, I hope so. I want people to challenge more. And again, I make nothing out of it, but I make everything out of it. Don't you want to be part of the change you need to be? And how can people find out more about you? Get, well, obviously get out of the book through Amazon and, and other such good places, but yeah, how can people Amazon. find out more about you? SteveDSims.com. You can go to GoForStupid.com or you can just subscribe to me at go at um, SteveDSims. Anywhere, Instagram, Facebook, anywhere that you absorb your media, there'll be Steve D. Sims on there. D for dashing and 1M in Sims. Steve D. Sims. And grab the book and tell me what it did for you. Wonderful. Thank you, Steve. Uh, have yourself a brand-tastic day. Look after yourself, pal. Thank you. If you enjoyed that episode of the Personally Brandtastic podcast, I'd really appreciate it if you went along to Apple or wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a review. And if you don't already follow and subscribe, I'd love it if you join us. Catch you next time on the Personally Brandtastic podcast.